good oh there we go good morning everybody <laughs> it's cold out there uh, welcome to our Sunday morning class I do believe that um, there he is uh, Bob spoke the last two times I'm thankful for his subbing for me while we were vacationing over the holidays um, let's start off our class this morning with a prayer please <clears throat> our gracious God and Father we're so thankful for this day for us being together as Christians for us being here and having a chance to study more about your will for us. We're so thankful for this church, for the leadership here. We ask that as we go through our life that we reflect the good news to those around us. Help us always to remember your son and his life, an example for us. Give us faith. All these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, our series has been uh, Jesus and the Land, and this is going to continue that um, this morning. Uh, we are going to talk about the healing at the pool, and this is found in John 5. You can follow along in your Bibles if you'd like, or I'll have most all the scriptures on the overhead as we go. And this first section, I just want to read through uh, this story in John 5 about the healing at the pool. And I have a lot of slides this morning, and I know I'm going to foul it up somewhere along the way, so <laughs> please bear with me. John 5. <clears throat> Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate Pool, which in Aramaic, Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. There a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, and, the, and one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day in which this took place was a Sabbath, and so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is a Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who was this fellow who told you to pick, up, pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus has slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. 
So, because Jesus was doing these things on Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In in his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always working at his work to this very day, and I am working too. For this reason they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Jesus gave them this answer. Verily, truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For this, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, Even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it to. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as as thy Father did. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So, this is a very interesting story, and there's a lot to sift through here. Um, Now in Jerusalem today, you can see the ruins of this pool. Uh, It's a very large pool. The ruins indicate it was a double pool, meaning it had two sections. And you really can't see this with a bunch of stones piled up against the ground. I mean, I've looked at a number of these photos and it's like, I can't see where the pool really is. It's just a pile of rocks. But anyway, this is the place where it was. Uh, there are some holes in the, in the cinders that allowed the water from the upper pool to flow into the lower pool. Now, if you know how a spring works, this is what a, every once in a while water bubbles up. And so um, there was an understanding uh, that this underground spring fed the upper pool, and when it fed to the upper pool, water would flow into the lower pool. So periodically, water flowed. So the water would shoot through these holes and the water would flow into the lower pool. Now, um, since we're talking about Jesus in the land, we kind of want to know where this is. And this is in the upper section, north section of uh, the city of Jerusalem, inside the walls, right there. Um, This was called the Sheep Gate, and it's known because this is where they brought the sheep in to sacrifice. So the pool was located near that area. Um, verse 3 says where it says the large number of the lame and blind were there around the pool so that when the water was stirred that a miracle would be performed and that was the legend at this site Um, there may be a footnote in your Bibles in the margin that says uh, that extends this uh, to verse 4 and it seems like it's helpful to understand this story So the tradition was that when the waters churned, that an angel of the Lord came down and healed the first person that got into the water after it was stirred. And this is a pretty old, secure tradition of this site. Um, Something else interesting to note, that in the 2nd century, after Jerusalem was destroyed, uh, there was a temple built here to the god Asclepius. Um, Asclepius was the God of healing. So there's a long tradition that healing took place at this pool. 
Um, we can speculate. Did healing take place or not? Was it just a legend? Well, with all the long tradition, you would think that people would leave if there was no healing. As the story goes, there was a lot of lame and people that were paralyzed or something has had some malady at this location, so we can probably assume that, yes, probably healing did take place. For some reason, God set this up where some healing possibly took place at this site. Uh, now, we're familiar with, it, familiar with this word, Bethesda. Bethesda. Um, you might recognize that name because there's a town called Bethesda, Maryland, where uh, there's a military hospital. So that kind of goes along with this story. So let's continue on. Uh, John 5, 5 and 6. Jesus asked him, Do you want to get well? Um, interesting that Jesus would ask someone that. He healed a lot of people in the New Testament. I think this is the only time that he asked this question. Do you want to get well? Is there a chance this man might not want to get well? He was a beggar. He may have had a cushy life being a beggar. Maybe he would have to go back to work if he got well. Uh, Get off welfare. He'd have to take care of himself. He has been lying around there for 40 years. So the man said, while I'm trying to get in, someone beats me to it. He cannot get in quickly enough. Jesus' response was, So Jesus says to the man, Rise up, take your pallet and walk. And at once the man was healed, he took up his pallet and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So something else to note here. How many sick people were around this pool? Verse 3 says, I'm going to go back one. Verse 3 says, a multitude. How many people did Jesus heal? He just healed one guy. Now what do we make of that? I've heard people say that God is not a respecter of persons, that he treats everyone the same, but you and me are different. God may have something in mind for me, that he doesn't have in mind for you. God has an eternal purpose for both of us, and it's not the same purpose. You know, we pray for healing for those that we know that are sick, and sometimes they are healed. We, we praise God for that. But if we believe that God is incapable or not willing to heal, a lot of times he's not. He doesn't. But like the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul was afflicted, right? And he prayed that his affliction would leave him. But it never did. But his attitude is how our attitude should be. That God gra- God's grace is sufficient for me, for us. So Jesus said to the man, Take up your mat and walk. And now the day that this happened was on the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man, who was cured, It is the Sabbath, the law forbids you from carrying your mat. Now when it says the Jews in the book of John, it's referring to the Jewish leaders. So whenever we see that, the Jews, he's talking about the Jewish leaders, Pharisees, scribes, those folks. 
So it says, on the Sabbath, uh, it's a, it's a Sabbath, and the law forbids you to carry your mat. Now, we are familiar with laws, and uh, what rings a bell for you and me is that laws have some consequences if they are violated. Here the law to the Pharisees was the Torah, the first five books of Moses. And that first five books of Moses includes all the commands and also stories and narrative. And the Jews said to this guy, Hey, this is Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. So let's go see what the law says. Exodus 20, 8 through 11. This is also found in Deuteronomy 5.12. Also Exodus 34.21. It says this about the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he restored, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Hmm, nothing about carrying your mat in this section. Seems like a bit of a stretch, right? Okay, all these things, we're not supposed to do work. Here's a guy carrying his mat. Um, This guy who was just healed was walking, carrying his mat, and the Pharisees stopped him and accused him of what? Doing some kind of work. Now, keeping the Sabbath was very important to the Pharisees. It was one of the four areas that they really focused on. Um, why was a Sabbath such a big deal? You remember a few weeks ago, we studied about the intertestament period in which Jews were being tortured and killed because they would not renounce their religion and adopt the Greek way of life and adopt the Greek gods. So the Pharisees remembered that God's people were killed over following God's word. And keeping the Sabbath was one of those. So they were very adamant about keeping the Sabbath. But here, Jesus comes along, right? How would you have felt knowing your ancestors had died trying to keep the Sabbath? And here this man, Jesus is saying that following the Sabbath is not so important, or at least that how, that's how it appeared to them. Now, what does the word Sabbath mean? It means rest. The word of Sabbath literally means rest. So what was the purpose of Sabbath? It was the day that God set up for renewal, for restoration, for a break from the ordinary, God said, Six days you will do your work, and on the seventh day will be holy. It will be separate. Six days you will do your work, and on the seventh you will take a break. How nice. It will be a time for renewal, for restoration, for healing. It will be a time for your body and mind to heal. It was to be a blessing for his people.
So, how can the Pharisees say the law says not to carry your mat? We also talked about the Pharisees that there were two Torahs, right? There was the written Torah, the five books of Moses, and then there was the oral Torah. Sometimes they call this the tradition of the elders. They believed the oral Torah was given to Moses and passed down from generation to generation orally. It was not to be written down. So how do we know? What does the oral law say about the Sabbath if it was never written down? Let's see. After the, fall of, after the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70, the Pharisees still tried to keep their religion together. They still practiced, and as best they could, they still kept the law. They continued to memorize and, and pass down the oral law. But at one point, the oral law was becoming so large and almost impossible to memorize. Why? Because they kept adding to it. So in AD 200, a Pharisee named Judah Hanasi, this guy right here, decided to write it down. The result of that was this. The result of that was 18 volumes, a collection by topic, and the writing was called the Mishnah, and the Mishnah, with his commentary, is called the Talmud. 18 volumes. Do you think that might be easy to memorize? 18 volumes of material. And this is what they did. Every day, they memorized the text. They memorized the oral Torah. And so that's what this is made up of. 18 volumes uh, called the Talmud. So the Pharisees believed the oral law was equally as binding as the written law. In the Mishnah, one of the books says, these traditions, these teachings, these instructions, the oral law are written, handed down to Moses, to Joshua, to Ezra, to us. They believe that the oral law were given on Mount Sinai, Sinai along with the written laws. Were they? We don't believe they were, but this is what their tradition says. They say these are not something that we drummed up, but were given to us by God. So, you remember in Exodus 20, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy? So, the Pharisees ask, so what is work? What does work mean? What does God say, or what does he mean when he says work? What constitutes work? So they discuss this every day. The rabbi sat around and argued about the meaning of this text. And in the Talmud, after long discussions, they decided that work, or what God meant when he said work, were 39 categories of work. So to them, they decided work meant 39 categories of work and what it meant on the Sabbath. So, I just happen to have... Talmud. I only have one. Talmud 
called Sabbath. And this is all the rules that the Pharisees had for following the Sabbath. It's not a thin book. But this morning, I just want to read these 39 subjects of work that they decide was work according to God. Um, I also have uh, a Cliff's Notes version of the Talmud of those 18 volumes. Very interesting reading. We'll probably go over these in the next few weeks. Um, on some Sunday, I'm going to talk about uh, research materials, and we'll probably go over this much more. Very interesting stuff here. But I do want to read what the Pharisees said constituted work. The primary labors are 40 less one. Sowing, plowing, reaping, binding sheaves, threshing, winnowing, selecting, grinding, sifting, kneading, baking, shearing wool, bleaching, hackling, I don't know what that is, dyeing, spinning, stretching the threads, the making of two meshes, weaving two threads, dividing two threads, tying, knotting, and untying, sewing two stitches, tearing in order to sew two stitches, capturing a deer, slaughtering or filleting or salting it, curing it, uh, curing its hide, scraping it, cutting it up, writing two letters, erasing in order to where two letters were written, uh, building, pulling down, extinguishing, kneading, striking with a hammer, carrying out from one domain to another. These are the 40 primary labors. Last one. So, they talked about, the Pharisees talked among themselves and decided, this is what God meant when he said work. And a lot of other stuff that we'll look at uh, in the future. Now this comes across as nitpicky, narrow-minded, legalistic. But I want to tell you that the Pharisees, like us, love the, lo- love the law of God as much as we do, or more. They spent a lot of time reading it. They discussed it every day. They thought about it. They asked questions. What does this mean? How should we apply this to our life? What do we need to do to be the people of God and what he wants us to be? But as we know, they just totally missed it. So they decided you can't so they decided you can't carry your mat on the Sabbath. Now that's not totally the issue here because Jerusalem was a walled city and you could walk around within the walled city, uh, but the rabbi called this uh Mutza. So the Talmud explains that anything you're not going to use or a needless burden. Now this guy was carrying his mat. He wasn't going to need it till evening. So the Jews said, that's Musa. You don't need to carry that mat around. Um, Some other things that would be uh, Musa were also making money or to be employed. So the Pharisees see him and carrying this mat and he's not going to use it. That's pointless. That's work. And so the Pharisee says, you're breaking the law. So the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. And the man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Let's see if I'm on the 
Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. Now, now think about this. Uh, you know, Jesus is famous to us. We read about him in the Bible all the time. But Jesus wasn't that famous in the first century. Uh, he wasn't on Fox News. His picture wasn't on CNN every night. He didn't have his picture in the Jerusalem Daily News every day. So not a lot of people knew what Jesus looked like. In fact, you remember that Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss, right? Why? So that the Pharisees could identify who Jesus was. Even later in his ministry, a lot of people didn't recognize him just by seeing him. So verse 14 said, No uh, sin no more than nothing else befall you. The rabbis believed in the first century that all suffering was the result of sin. And we don't really believe that. Uh, Well, not exactly. Um, I do love this quote from John Wayne that says, Life is tough, and it's a lot tougher if you're stupid. Because sometimes we do stupid things. And when we do stupid things, sometimes we get hurt. And sometimes we are afflicted because of that. So sometimes things bad happen to us because we make bad decisions. But the apostles agreed with the rabbis. In the book of John, uh, there was a man, recall, was born blind. And when Jesus and the apostles were there, they said what? The apostles said to Jesus, Who sinned, this man or his parents? that he would be born blind. So people in that day believed that if you had a physical problem, it was due to sin. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. And in his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always working to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Now, the book of Genesis says that God put the world together in seven days, and then he rested. But, the, but Jesus says in verse 17, My father is working still, and I am working too. He's arguing with the Pharisees here. Genesis says God did did his creative work in seven days and then he rested. But that did not mean that God didn't do any work on the Sabbath. What is God doing every day? He's making the sunshine. He's healing people. He's answering prayers. Jesus says, My father is working and I am working too. You know that what really teed them off was Jesus calling him my father. Now, in Psalms 8.26, there is uh, only one reference in the Old Testament where uh, God is referred to as my Father. Uh, Every other time, it's our Father. The Jews would not even speak in the name of God. The rabbis said that the only one that can can call God my Father would be the Messiah. Um, Psalms uh, 89.26 is a predictive statement about the Messiah that when he comes, he will call God my Father. So Jesus calls God my Father, and that just blows them away. Why? Because 
He comes from the sticks, right? He's up there in Galilee. He's a tecton. He's a carpenter. He's a stonemason. He has no schooling. Therefore, when he calls God my father, he's got to be a liar. He's got to be a fraud. Jesus and his parents visit Jerusalem, remember. Age 12, he goes in the temple. His parents are looking all over for him. Finally, they found him. What does he say? I must be about my father's business. So here is Jesus at age 12, claiming to be the Messiah. Jesus gave him this answer. Truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. For the Father loves the Son, and the Son shows him all he does. Where do you think Jesus learned this principle? Jesus grew up in his father's workshop. Carpenter. He learned from his father. The Son only does what he sees the Father doing. Jesus says, I'm only doing what I see God, my Father, doing. I'm doing what I see my father doing. He says, My father gave life to dead people. I give life to dead people. When I heal on the Sabbath, I'm only fulfilling what my father is doing. Jesus said, You know why I healed this guy? Because that is the purpose of Sabbath. To bring renewal, to bring restoration, to bring healing to this man's life. He did. He healed this man and brought restoration to this man's life. He's only fulfilling what my father says. Filling the purpose of my father. The reason that my father gave the Sabbath command was so that there would be renewal, restoration, and healing, a blessing to his people. That is why Jesus healed this man. There's another Sabbath story we want to cover. That's from Mark 27-28 One Sabbath Jesus was going through the grain fields and as his disciples walked along they began to pick some heads of grain the Pharisees said to him look why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath he answered have you ever read that what David did when he was with his companions were hungry and in need in the days of Abiathar the high priest he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread which is lawful only for the priests to eat and he also gave some to his companions so when he said this to them the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath so the son of man is Lord even unto the Sabbath now this is kind of funny story right The disciples are walking through the grain fields and they're starting to eat some grain and all of a sudden, up pops the Pharisees out of nowhere. So what does Jesus mean? He is Lord of the Sabbath. Hmm. He's Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, A friend of mine who's a preacher in Kansas City characterized it this way. You ever seen this around town? Uh, Alaska is more difficult than other places because we have our headlights on all the time. But in other places, when you saw headlights in the middle of the day, it was like, oh man, 
that's a funeral procession, right? There's a hearse going forward, and I haven't seen this around Alaska, but other places I have. So there's a hearse going forward, and there's a whole line of cars, and there may be police. And there may be somebody directing traffic. Have you ever been at a traffic light that's red, and the policeman is telling you to go through? Or a stoplight, a stop sign, the policeman's telling you to go through, and he's like... Should I, should I stop? It says it's, it's red. Should I go? I, I don't know what to do, right? Because you hesitate because the red light, you stop sign, but the policeman's going, come, go. So the policeman is lord of the stop sign. The policeman is lord of the stoplight, meaning someone who's there with a brain that knows how to direct traffic, and that's what those signs are for, right? To direct traffic safely. But someone who comes there with a brain knows more about how to direct traffic than a stupid signal or a stop sign. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, meaning he knows what the Sabbath is for. Jesus was with God when they instituted the Sabbath. Does Jesus know the purpose of Sabbath? Of course he does. So, when it comes to the Sabbath... He's doing what he's doing. He's healing because that is what Sabbath is for. It's for rest. It's for healing. It's for restoration. He appears to be breaking the Sabbath, but in the mind of the in the mind of the Pharisees, but he's really fulfilling it. The Sabbath was a blessing to God, God's people, not a law to be followed. So, another Sabbath story, Mark three, one through six. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. When Jesus asked him, Which of the laws on the Sabbath, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? but they remained silent. He looked around them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched out his hand, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Jesus looked at them in anger and at their stubborn hearts. That's one look none of us want to see. These religious leaders had decided that healing was against the rules and couldn't couldn't handle that Jesus was breaking them, so they sought to kill him. So our lesson today hopefully helps us understand a bit more about the Sabbath, the role it played in the first century, and the conflicts between the Pharisees and Jesus. The main point I want to bring out about Sabbath, or one of the main points is, we don't want to be like the Pharisees. We see that the Pharisees took a blessing that God had intended 
for his people and made it into a work, made it into a burden. They looked at this man with a withered hand. They looked at this man with a withered hand and Jesus, not even considering what healing would do for his life because they were sure they had Sabbath all figured out. And sometimes this kind of attitude pervades our brotherhood. We grew up in the church. We've studied God's word for so many years that we feel we know exactly what God intends a certain passage to mean. Sometimes we have blinders on. We, that's all we see. The meaning that we have always said. Things that we've always studied. So when we see Jesus' approach to the Sabbath, we need to focus on the purpose of what God wants us to do. We do not want to be like the Pharisees. We do not want to press certain statements in the Bible so literally that we actually miss the point God is trying to make. So when we read Scripture and try to apply it, and we need to apply it, we need to realize that maybe our understanding does encompass everything of what God has in mind. We need to stay humble before the Word of God. Have you ever heard of churches splitting over a lot of things? Sometimes they've even split over how communion is done. Doesn't sound sound ironic. The symbol of our unity as being together, the text says this cup, many people say that cup, the cup, therefore it's only one cup, so we split over the symbol of our unity. So we need to ask ourselves, in every commandment that God gives us, what is the objective of that teaching? What does God want us to know? The Pharisees decided that work meant that there were 39 categories of work, and they knew they had it all figured out, but they missed the point of why God gave them the Sabbath in the first place. Jesus came and said, you missed the boat. Jesus said, the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. I came to bring life. I came to bring renewal. I came to bring restoration to the people. And that is what Sabbath is for. Thank you for your attention this morning. You may have found out a lot more about the Sabbath than you'd heard before. But the point is that we can learn from these, all these examples of Jesus and the Sabbath and the conflict with the Pharise- confliction with the Pharisees. Um, that's our lesson for today. I'm thank you for your attention. Um, you're dismissed. I think we're a little early. Not by much.